Hi everyone, Dave Therrien here, and we are in a series entitled 30 Days to Easter, and we look at some of the highlights of the Lord's life as he walked his way to the cross of Calvary. For we know on that cross he atoned for the sins of the world. Today we find ourselves on Good Friday, and what happened on that evening? How do you think Jesus felt at that Last Supper meal, betrayed by G- uh, Judas, knowing knowing what was waiting for him in the very near future? How he anticipated the cross, broken body, shed blood for the sins of the world. I'll tell you what, what an event. God was glorified in the life of Jesus. So let's get right into our Good Friday message. We're going to begin with a little bit of worship just to kind of get our hearts right and just think about how worthy Christ is, and then we'll get right into the message. Thank you for that. Now, there are so many songs that people sing in the world. And they're good songs. But when you sing about Christ, oh, it's totally different. Totally different. Because, you know, when you sing about Jesus, something happens on the inside. You know, you can sing with the oldies and you can sing with the new stuff. But when you sing with Christ, There's an inside transformation that takes place. Worship is very, very special. I'm really glad to see a good crowd out tonight honoring the Lord. Good Friday, the night that he spent his last evening with the disciples, got arrested, ill-treated, sentenced to die, all planned out by God the Father from eternity past. We're going to see something tonight that um, might help us to understand uh, what Jesus was thinking when he was hanging on the cross. We're going to take a look at a scene. It's actually based on Leviticus chapter 5. But the real emphasis of tonight is the communion. Just being in fellowship with Christ, um, with the bread, with the cup. And Pastor Ron will come and he'll bring that communion message to us later on. So why don't we buy in prayer as we get ready to begin. Father, we are here tonight to remember that Friday when darkness came over the earth and Jesus was atoning for the sins of the world, our sins, and everybody else that ever lived. And God, because of that, we can have freedom, freedom from judgment, 
Freedom from the penalty. And freedom to live with you and live for you. So God, give us understanding tonight with this aspect of Good Friday that we'll be speaking about. And we just want to honor you tonight with all that we do, all that we say, all that we sing. And just give us understanding. That's all we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know that Jesus and the Father had wonderful fellowship from eternity past. I mean, I don't know how long eternity past is. It like, it goes back so far in the past, there was never a beginning, which is very difficult for us to understand. Because with us, everything has a beginning, everything has an end. But with God, <laughs> there's no beginning. Always was. There's no end. Always will be. Hard for us to conceive of that. So Jesus had this perfect fellowship with his Father all the way back from eternity past. And that fellowship went on until that Friday. When he was atoning for the sins of the world on the cross, that fellowship was broken. He was no longer in a right relationship with his Father. During the time that he was taking our judgment, that's why the Bible says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now, who knows it? Yes, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That means when I put my faith in Christ, my condemnation has been removed. So he's taking the judgment, and while he was on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was an experience he never knew before. Never went through anything like this in his life. When he said, why have you forsaken me, the word forsaken, it means to abandon, to leave destitute, helpless. Oh my God, why have you abandoned me? You've left me here, destitute and helpless. Many believe that this cry was addressed to the two members of the Trinity, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. My God, my God. Jesus asked the question, but you know what? <laughs> no answer came. This is the first time his father never answered him. Every time Jesus spoke to the Father, the Father answered him. Every time he prayed, the Father answered his prayer. But now he's on the cross in his greatest need, and he prays, and his Father's silent, quiet, doesn't say anything. That's because the fellowship was broken. Broken fellowship with God means unanswered prayer. That's what that means. When my fellowship with God is broken, my prayers are not answered. This unanswered prayer was actually predicted or demonstrated in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a verse in Leviticus chapter 5. And it speaks of a person who's going to make an offering for his sin. But he's too poor to afford an animal sacrifice or a blood sacrifice. So he brings a grain offering. 
And we find this in Leviticus chapter 5, verse 11. If his means are insufficient, in other words, he's, he's poor. If his means are insufficient for two turtle doves or two young pigeons, those are birds, then for his offering for that which he has sinned, he shall bring the tenth of an ephah, a fine flower for a sin offering. So he's going to make an offering for his sins, and he's going to bring some fine flour. And Moses said, he shall not put oil on it, on the flour, or place incense on it, because it is a sin offering. It's a different kind of an offering. See, here the offerer, again, who was too poor to bring a blood sacrifice, he could bring a tenth of an ephah of fine flour. Now, an ephah is about 93 cups. So a tenth of an ephah was around nine cups. Okay? 9.3 cups. Just enough to make one day's supply of bread. Isn't that interesting? We're kind of like that guy. We have nothing to bring to God. Because this was a sin offering, it could have no oil or frankincense mingled with it. Frankincense would be part of the afternoon prayer called the Minka, Jewish afternoon prayer, which could only be prayed by someone in a right relationship with God. So when someone brought another type of offering, which was not a sin offering, they could, put, they could mingle frankincense with the offering. Frankincense oftentimes symbolizes our prayers going up to God. And the reason he could put frankincense in that offering is because he was in a right relationship with God. It, was really, it wasn't a sin offering. It was a thank offering or a praise offering, but not a sin offering. But Jesus was bearing our sins. He was a sin offering. And therefore, he was out of fellowship with God. And this is why his prayers went unanswered. So Leviticus 5 gives us a picture of what Christ would be like on the cross an offering for sin, but it was during also a broken fellowship with God. Jesus was not, for the first time, in a right relationship with God, bearing the sins of the world. God cannot look upon sin. That's why he turned his back. It became dark. He was judging his son. The oil was also omitted that signified the absence of the Holy Spirit, oftentimes throughout Scripture. Oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. The anointing oil that was put on the priest signified the Holy Spirit covering the priest. And we know the oil today. When we pray, and when the Bible says anoint with oil, we're really talking about praying through the Holy Spirit. So, there was, the oil was also admitted, signifying the absence of the Spirit. And by the way, it was the Holy Spirit that really answered the prayers of Jesus. So now he's in his greatest need. He's abandoned by the Father, and he's also abandoned by 
the Holy Spirit. Because see, that's what sin does. Sin breaks off fellowship with God. When we sin, we break off fellowship with God. And when Jesus was bearing all of our sins, it was a completely broken fellowship with God. And again, when broken, when fellowship is broken, there is no answer to prayer. No oil in the flower speaks of the withdrawal of the Holy Spirit and his sustaining power. For 33 years, Jesus was sustained by the Holy Spirit. And now he's on the cross. And that sustaining ministry was removed. It was gone. No one has ever felt as alone as Jesus did on the cross. Oh, yes, we've all had times of feeling alone. And as bad as that might feel, you might say, yes, it feels bad. It doesn't appear to Christ on the cross. Because the two eternal fellowships that he always knew had been removed. Eternal fellowship with the Father, eternal fellowship with the Spirit. Both of them removed, along with the sustaining ministry of the Holy Spirit. So now Jesus hangs on the cross <laughs> like a man. A man. All he's got is who he is. No help from God at all. Is it any wonder Psalm 22 prophesies of what Jesus would feel like when he hung on the cross? A portion of it says... In verse 14, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. That's what happens when you're hung down. My heart is like wax. It melts within me. My strength is dried up like a pot sherd. That's a piece of broken, tossed-out pottery thrown in the dump. And my tongue cleaves to my jaws. And you lay me in the dust of the earth, the dust of death. He said, for dogs have surrounded me. Here's Jesus, right? This is prophesied, hanging on the cross, and there they are. There's the soldiers. There's the mockers, the religious leaders, his own people. He came unto his own, and his own received him not, John said. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil doers has encompassed me. Oh, they pierced my hands and my feet. He knew that was coming. I can count all my bones. They look. They stare at me. Jesus looking down at his body. He's hanging. Bones out of joint. They divide my garments among them. That's the soldiers at the cross. Throwing lots for Jesus' outer garments. And for my clothing, they cast lots. So Jesus saw ahead of time what waited for him. And I'll tell you what. He, he walked towards it anyway. He walked towards it anyway. See, that's real bravery. Bravery is knowing what waits for you, but you go at it anyway. Knowing it's going to kill you. You do it anyway. But then he prayed. Now this psalm talks about another part 
of a prayer. Jesus could be praying in his heart. We don't know. He said, oh, but you, O Lord, be not far off. Oh, you, my help, hasten to my assistance. See, he knows the outcome of all this. As bad as it is, he knows the outcome. And I want you to think of your life. If you're a Christian tonight, as bad as it might be, you know the outcome. And you know what the outcome is? You're going to be with God. I don't tell people, oh, it's going to be all right on the earth, because it might not be. It might not. What you want might not happen. But that's not the outcome. I don't think preachers are, on preachers are honest when they say, it's all going to work out all right, don't worry about it. You don't know that. But the outcome is guaranteed. And you know what the outcome is? We're going to be with God. That's the outcome. That's the ultimate outcome. And nothing else might fall into place on the earth. You might never get what you want. But that's the outcome. And Jesus knew the outcome. He said, oh, you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. And this is the prophecy of Jesus praying that he'd be raised from the dead, that he would be delivered from all of this. Oh, that after they brutally beat him and tortured him and sucked the life out of him, that God, even though they had broken fellowship, God would not leave him there. That God would come back. That the Father and the Spirit would return to Christ. Because it was only for that time that he was atoning for the sins of the world, that there was broken fellowship. And once the payment was complete, ka-ching, the last sin was paid for, God the Father returned. And the Holy Spirit, he returned. Sin had been paid for and fellowship had been restored. So as we prepare for communion, let's be reminded that Jesus knew what he was walking into. He knew. He anticipated broken fellowship with the Trinity. But he also knew God would not desert him permanently. And I'll tell you, we have to remember that. You have to remember that. When you don't get what you're praying for, and you don't get whatever that might be, the healing, the restoration, the job, whatever it might be. If you don't get it, that's not the outcome. The outcome is really so much greater. And Jesus knew what the outcome would be. He knew the outcome would be he would be restored back to his father. So let's be reminded of that. He knew, Psalm 16, verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, that's the grave. Nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Jesus knew, as bad as it was on the cross, with all of the physical pain, with all of the emotional pain, 
with all of the spiritual pain, everything he was going through, he knew it was temporary. It was a season, a few hours. It wasn't permanent. He knew that God would return and fellowship would be restored. See, that's what he looked forward to. And maybe that's why, for the joy that was set before him, he could endure the cross. He could endure it because he knew the Father would not forsake him permanently. Yes, it was a temporary forsaking for our part. We were the joy. But he knew the Father would return. And we have to remember what Jesus said to the disciples. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And you know, a lot of stuff can be in between that. Loss, confusion, chaos, worry, fear. So remember, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It won't be like God the Father did with God the Son. That broken fellowship was for a reason. But God will always be there for us. And yes, if we do sin, we kind of cut ourselves off, but God is still there. He's waiting for us to just repent and come back to him because he'll never cast us out. So this is an aspect of Good Friday that's good to remember. That Jesus bore something that we could never bear. And he went through something, but he always knew that God would be on the other side waiting for him after the sins of the world were atoned for. Behold the Lamb who bears our sins away Slain for us Promise made that all who come in faith find forgiveness at the cross. And so we share in this bread of life, and we drink of His sacrifice as a sign of our bonds the table of the king The body of our Savior Jesus Christ tore for you Eat and remember the wounds that heal the death that brings us life paid the price to make us one So we share In this bread of life And we drink Of this sacrifice As a sign Of our bonds of love Around the table of the king 
Around the table of the king. One day we'll be there. One day we'll be around that table, won't we? We're looking forward to it. But Friday night, Good Friday, we'll be around the table of the Savior. Get to church. If your church is having a service Good Friday, get to church. Honor the Lord, the work that he did for all of us on the cross. Don't have a church? Join us here at New Hope, 7 o'clock, Good Friday. You can watch us online as well, newhopecc.tv. We just want to honor Jesus. We want to thank God for who he is, what he did for each and every one of us. It's an incredible time. It, it will certainly soften your heart and hopefully bring you into a closer relationship with the Lord. That's what we're looking for, isn't it? We're looking for a closer relationship with the Lord. Oh, we want to be as close as we can be. And Good Friday, that's the night that'll do it. Thanks for coming along today. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.